Hello, people. Hello. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Slick Talk Show today. Um, today is very exciting day. Today is Friday. I hope everybody's having a drink. Um, actually, I'm having a drink right now. So today is very exciting. I mentioned you guys. I mentioned uh, I was talking the whole week about my open debate every Friday. And guess what? Guess what? I have a guest. I have a guest. Somebody who's listening. He's been listening for so many weeks, and uh, he told me, he sent me, sent me a couple of messages, he told me, look, I, I need to come over and debate with you. And I was like, oh, no problem, just come over, let's have a debate, have a drink, I have a drink, let's sit back and let's have a debate. So today, I'd like to welcome Andrew, Andrew O'Malley. <laughs> Hello, hello, Rich. Thank you so much for having me on the on the Slick Talk podcast. This is this is a, a lifetime honor. I'm thrilled. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you for coming today. Um, I mean, this is this is amazing. You, my first guest, you, my first guest on Slick Talk show. Um, I don't even know. I don't even know how that's going to turn out, but I do know. I do know that's going to be very exciting. So I'm looking forward for that, especially on the Friday. I know you have your plan for Friday night. I don't know. I know there's nothing going on out there because of the COVID nineteen. So I'm sure you're glad to have a bottle of wine. You should well, have a bottle of wine then. I don't know. We were planning on going to one of these uh, illegal underground raves tonight. Um, so, but this is okay. This is this is this is just as good. Okay, cool, man. No pro. Anyway, let's just start uh, with this, Andrew. I know it's been, you know, you, everybody knows what's going on at the moment with the COVID-19. Um, uh, obviously, you know, sadly, you know, we're losing people at the back of that. But, you know, first of all, I'd like to ask you, how are you doing? How's the family doing? Yeah, yeah, okay. It's a bit weird. We're all uh, we're all stuck inside still. Yeah, many of your listeners won't be in Scotland, but in Scotland, we're still under a bit... A bit of a lockdown. We don't we don't get out that much. It's a bit more restricted than in England. So we're uh, yeah we're getting a bit bored. Um, oh, okay. And and we've got um we've got an eighteen month old at home. So it's um he's now just beginning to walk and and talk and make a mess. So it's um yeah it's interesting. So 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 you're pretty much doing like most people at the moment, uh, where you have to walk at home and. And learn learn some new skills. You know, I think I think the good news about the COVID of just losing people, but the positive is you know people are, are doing some new stuff, learning new, having new skills. And is that something at the moment that you feel like okay, because of what's going, because of lockdown, you you're getting to learn stuff, you're getting to do a little bit more at home, you're getting to spend yeah. more time with the family. Yeah, I mean the work work pressures are different for sure, so that it's not all easy and plain sailing. But I, I'm definitely enjoying. Um, being home with with uh, with my daughter and my wife, and I've been out in the garden, which is great. Got some potatoes on the go. Um, <laughs> we've been um, playing a bit of Xbox. That's pretty oh. good. So uh, yeah, no, it's um, you know, it's tough, but it's it, there's there's good things as well for sure. What what about you guys? What, how are you getting through the days? I mean, to, uh, to be honest, it's been exactly the same. I, 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 you know, some of my show I've been saying like you know, me being in, here in Scotland, I feel like I know how people in France or people in Cameroon are doing because we all in the same, you know, we all dealing with the same issue at the moment. But personally, it's been okay. Uh, It's tough at the time, but now it's just a situation that we have to live in. And uh, it's just, everybody now is looking forward, obviously, to to start um, um, the the new lives, you know, going out, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, playing basketball, going outside, take the kids to, to play their own sport and all that. But, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been it's been it's been good. It's been very very good. Very, yeah, and good. and the pubs in Scotland are opening in the next few weeks. What are you? What's your what's your first what's your first drink at the pub gonna be? You know what? I'm looking for for that definitely for cider. I'm looking to go to the pub get a cider. But from what I heard today, you need to book. You need to have. Mm. You need to start booking right now to get a place inside mm. a pub. So it's not it's not gonna be straightforward. But Let's be honest, man. I've got my own bar at home right now, so I'm good, right? I'm good. And matter of fact, I'm I, I'm I'm definitely my gin. I've got my gin right here, so. And, and what and, and and what's the priority? Is it is it a pint of cider in a pub, or is it getting your hair cut? You know what? I have to say my haircut, man. I'm not mess about my haircut, man. You know, when black people, we don't mess about with our haircut. You <laughs> have to be, 
I had to look sharp all the time, man. I need to. I can drink at home. I can do anything, but I need to be sharp. I yeah. need to get my hair sorted. So yeah, I'm looking forward to see the barber, man. I'm looking yeah. forward to see him. That's for sure. If this lockdown goes on for another few weeks, I don't think we're going to have any hair left anyway. So it's, it's not going to be a problem. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy that you no, know, um, uh, the first minister, she's, um, uh, she's uh, uh, relaxing everything at the moment. Slowly, obviously, compared to England, but. Uh, at least we're getting there. And uh, I think you can clearly see people now are looking for hope, hope for not to change, but hope to get things, you know, to get back into normal, especially with because we know, you know, uh, uh, talking about December, January, it's going to be crazy again, you know, uh, especially with the weather that we have here in Scotland. So we're looking forward to to enjoy the summer just like like everybody else. Um, so, yeah, yeah, most definitely. Now, Andrew, just let me just start with this. You know, I know, I know you... You know, you're very exciting. I, 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 uh, you, you've been listening to the show and all that. Tell me, tell me exactly what was the reason for you to come out and 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 send me that message and say, look, man, you know, Rich, can, can we have a debate? Can we have a debate about this political and social reform? What was what was the thing behind that for you to come to me? Yeah, so I suppose over the last few weeks, I think it was maybe two or three weeks ago we first spoke about this, and, and, it, and it's become clear over the last few weeks that more and more athletes, and particularly football players, are, are coming out and are making a stand on social issues um, and, and some political issues as well. So the, the, big, the big ones that, that really stand out over the last few weeks have been um, Raheem Sterling coming out and back in the Black Lives Matter movement. And then we also had... Um, we had Marcus Rashford as well, who was um, who, who's, uh, from Anu, who was coming out in support of the, trying to push the government back towards free school meals a few weeks ago and was successful in his campaign. So I suppose these, these, these two things happened within a few days of each other and got me thinking, um, what, is, what does Rich think about that? I'm sure we could have a good conversation about that on his, on his podcast. So that, that's kind of what got me thinking about it. But, but it goes back quite a long way. I think... Um, Last year, uh, Mesut Ozil as well came out and, and um, in support of the Uyghur Muslims in China. I think he made a stand in you know November, December last year and created a lot of attention that way uh, as well. So it's been going on for a while, but it, it just feels like with, with COVID and with Black Lives Matter, um, this is a, a hot topic. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, yeah, uh, it's been... It's been um... I mean, I've addressed a lot of that issue of just on my podcast for the past mm. few weeks now, and uh, I can clearly see there's been a lot of interest, you know, uh, for listeners obviously to go through that. And I've had, I've just had a lot of people coming back to me, you know, asking me more questions, maybe asking me also to talk a little bit more because obviously that's the movement, that's what's happening at the moment. So let me just jump right to it. I mean, today, I mean, that was your topic. You decided. You were like, you were, you sent me that. You say, look. Can I talk about that with you? Can we discuss that? And I decided, yes. Okay, now, for my listener out there, this is what Andrew asked to talk about today. He asked to talk about if that was appropriate for pro athlete to be pushing and speaking out for political and social reform. So this is what we're going to be discussing today. Again, uh, for anybody out there, maybe after the show, if you want to talk and come back and talk about that, you know, feel free. Uh, to 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 hit me up on Facebook or Twitter or any other uh, any other social media that's out there, you know, you can just get me and I will book you on the Friday show to discuss that. Now, I mean, Andrew, we had a discussion, and you know my point about that. I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be saying I'm against obviously pro athlete and uh, speaking out for social issue. What I'm scared about, you know, what I'm you know. I, I'm a little bit anxious about that is the fact that uh, because one or two athletes have power, obviously they have enough, enorm, enormous power in the social media to make those changes or maybe to affect changes, uh, I feel like uh, there's been a social media out there to put pressure on most athletes to do exactly the same. And I don't think uh, everybody has the same mindset. I don't think everybody has a personality to go out there and put the word out there in terms of political and social reform. For that, what do you say? Yeah, so you think that, that these guys coming out might, might put pressure on other footballers or other athletes to, to do the same? 
Exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, your um, Raheem Sterling, Marcus Rashford, they're they're big names, but they're they're not huge names. You know, I think on Twitter they've got a few million followers each. That's, that's a little bit more than me. Um, not not much, but a bit more than me. And I, I think that um, you know, they're not they're they're not going to put pressure on 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 the on the really big guys to perform. So if we look at you know, I think Rashford. We looked the other day. He's got three million Twitter followers. But if we look at the biggest athletes on on Instagram, for example, you know, you've got um, uh, David Beckham. Remember him? He's got he's got sixty million followers. <laughs> yeah, I was so, so, so literally twenty times more followers. Neymar, one hundred thirty-one million followers. Messi, one hundred forty million, and Cristiano Ronaldo, almost two million followers on Instagram. So, uh, so you know these guys are big and they they undoubtedly have a platform, but they're not gonna make the whole football world feel inadequate for not standing up with them. Um, they're they're definitely using their platform, but whether there's pressure or not for other other guys to step up, I'm not sure. I think they're they're doing it. They're doing a reasonable job there, but they're they're not putting pressure on anyone else. I don't think. What what do you think? Would you feel under pressure if you were a a, a colleague or a, a you know a teammate of one of these one of these players? I think I think definitely. I think definitely. I I I put my I put my shoes on one of those guys, um, especially the guys uh, who don't a very quiet guy who don't like speaking out on social issues. Doesn't mean that they don't care. It just means that they're just not comfortable to go out there. And one the reason why I'm very anxious about that is I don't know if you do remember when Matt Hancock basically came out on TV and just called out the pro athlete to do the part Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, I don't know if he was asking them to give up some of the money, you know, to the community. And and I thought I thought at that point that was very unfair. That was very unfair from somebody you know on that high political uh place you know to put pressure on athlete and and now you're asking basically everybody everybody was athlete to be involved in social reform now i'm a dad right i'm a dad you're a dad you have a daughter i have a son if my son or your daughter are pro athlete tomorrow i don't want my son to go out there and be distracted with all that. Now, I'm not saying you should not care. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I don't want people to put pressure on my son or my boys to go out there and do some social media stuff if they're not comfortable with that. I'm yeah. comfortable going out and talk about that, but that's the issue. I, mm-hmm. I, I just I just feel like there's a pressure coming from all angles to those guys that they, they do not deserve. That They, yeah. they don't deserve yeah. that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I agree with you that the the health secretary Matt, Matt Hancock probably was a bit unfairly asking for all all sports people to step up there. I don't think that is reasonable, but you know that they don't all do it and they don't have to do it. And to be to be leaders in their field, they don't they don't have to step up. You know, Ronaldo is probably and Messi are probably the biggest footballers in the world by any measure, including on social media. And they, you know, I'm sure they have their foundations and I'm sure they give to charity, but they're not up there every day championing social causes. Um, and and I don't think that that you can say that Rashford and Sterling have been distracted. They they've had they've we only had a few games back, but um, since Sterling um, came out in support of Black Lives Matter, he scored against Arsenal, uh, Newcastle, and Liverpool. He scored against Liverpool um, on Thursday. Um, so he's he's doing okay. Twenty seven appearances this year, thirteen goals. He doesn't seem that distracted. He scores every <laughs> second game he plays. I say, oh, I, that's good. Yeah, I think I think you have. I think you have a good point, especially on the start saying, okay, they can do they can do whatever they need to do socially and come back and score. But now let's move on. If you move on obviously from manager's standpoint, they definitely they're definitely gonna gonna be looking at those guys. You know, anybody who's out there, you know, uh putting the voice out there about social media, they still need to come out there and perform because at the end of the day, it's all about going out and perform, you know, co- perform your contract or you sit on the table. Those guys they don't they don't call you in the office and say, oh, you know, you did great on social media like yesterday. I know you're not playing well, but I'm going to put you back on again because you're doing some good stuff for, for, for the community. They don't really care. All they care about is how you perform. Can you give me a W? Can you give me a win? And then I put you back there. So I'll give you that. But all I'm, my point, obviously, in terms, of, in terms of the player was like, okay, that's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. And uh, it's a bit unfair. But now, if we go for a manager, for manager standpoint, how what will be the impact there 
in terms of those players going out there like that. Do you think? Do you think it becomes a distraction inside the locker room? Yeah, after? I think I think that's a really good point from the manager's perspective. It's all about distraction. Do they keep delivering on the field? Do they give me the, the results and the goals that I need? And you know, I, I kind of I picked Raheem Sterling there because he was a, a great example of not being distracted. He's obviously delivering. He's having, he's having some great games recently, but. But you know, I mentioned um, Ozil earlier on for for Arsenal, and since he since he raised the the it got involved in his, his politics around the, the Uyghur Muslims in China, I think he's only had about eighteen appearances and and only scored one goal. So he's scoring about point zero six goals per match, whereas Sterling scoring point zero five goals per match. And you know, my 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 training, my my studies at university was in was in was in bio, biological sciences and. I, th- I think if I'm looking at Sterling, I'm looking at Ozil, looking at Rashford, you've got to draw the conclusion that there's actually not much relationship between um, whether they're involved in politics or not and whether how they perform in the field. Some seem to have good games and, and some don't. And, and that's that's true for all of our all of our football players that we support in our big teams. So it's obviously case by case, isn't it? And and, and the manager's got to make a judgment. And if one of these guys steps up and makes makes the that's a big part of their lives and a big part of their story and these and their performance drops sure that the manager should step in but it doesn't seem to happen across the board and, and even when it does happen i don't think there's any evidence to say that it's because they've become political maybe they're just having a bad week or a bad month or a bad season or whatever i don't know what what, what if you were a manager imagine you're, you, you you remind me of alex ferguson imagine you were you were fergie what would uh what would you do if one of your one of your uh, your guys marcus rashford stood up for a political cause I think for a manager, definitely they will have to. I think they have first of all, if you're a top player, let, let's let's put it out there, bro. Let's put it out there. If you're a top player, they will put your hands around you. You know, they they will definitely try to be with you and understand exactly what's going on. If you're not performing, but you still go out there and do whatever you need to do, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure to be honest. You know, um, you can clearly see, you know, the, you know the trends out there that. Most people or most pro athletes uh, that are actually speaking out, those are more active players. They play, they actually on the field. You know what I mean? Um, I, I haven't seen anybody from sitting on a bench or anybody like that, even on NBA or NFL, because I follow those guys back in the US as well. Like, mm. I don't see really anybody at the low level coming out like that. Do you really see the star? You know the top player, box office player coming out because they know they've got a cachet, they've got the money, and they've got a sponsor behind them. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, what, what would you say about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point that we definitely see and hear from the biggest guys in sport when when on these political issues. And you know, we're talking about football today, but you're right. This is obviously a huge issue in the states and, and um, NBA and and um and other sports but but and i'm thinking also andy murray in the tennis around the scottish referendum he, he came out in favor of independence but we only hear about we only hear about those ones because they are big actually i don't know if the the, the lower leagues are coming out and in, in, in support or of, of particular movements because the press don't report on it they don't have as many followers so it could be happening but we maybe we just don't see it i don't i don't know Mm. Oh, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. But uh, at the same time, as I say again, yeah, the manager, I think the manager impact, you can clearly see the manager impact um, on some of those uh, on some of those guys. I mean, I'm taking out, for example, Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola is very interesting. I can clearly see why he's, he would definitely support Sterling. As you know, Pep Guardiola is, uh, um, you know, he's from Barcelona and you know he's fighting hard to get Barcelona out of Spain, you know what I mean? So he understands the fight, you know, of the, of the movement that goes out there and I can see why he has to do that. But really, from manager, it's really about like, okay, if my top player is doing that, I need to be around him because I don't want to lose him. I want him to be focused. That's the reason why I go around him. Now, what, what do you think about the rest of the team then? Because this is this is the problem now. This is the problem because if if one player, let's just say, let's take the case of Rashford as you mentioned, go out there and do that. Why Rashford will not go out and take you know the rest of the team to do that together? You can see a, you know something as a, as a, something done as a group because what happened is, and again, 
I'm not trying. I'm not trying to disrespect whatever Rashford. What he did was beautiful, and I think it should be commended for that. I'll actually put on Twitter that he should go and be an MP or something like that. That was great. All I'm saying is, why, if somebody thinks like that, why don't you try to get three, four, five, six, seven off your group and do something together? Would that not mean look much better than one person only? What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think that's that's um, that's a good point. And I, I suppose we know about uh, the Rashford case particularly, that he was really interested in this because it was directly related to his upbringing and his background. And and I'm sure, you know, it's such a diverse squad, you know, at Man U. Maybe not everyone's on board with it. Maybe other people don't understand it. And actually maybe to, to broaden that out to people who don't get it is actually going to dilute the message. Uh, I think I think Rashford, you know, the fact that it was a personal story for him made the campaign stronger because it was just him. On the other hand, you know, I, I think you're right that, that the rest of the team will feel the pressure sometimes to become caught up in, in maybe movements and political stories that they don't understand or they're not that interested in. Um, you know, the, the image that sticks in my head is the um, the Premier League restarting last yeah. week and, and, and with the, the whistle going and all the players going, taking the knee uh, for the for the Black Lives Matter movement. And I don't for one minute, minute think that, that there was anyone on that field who, who wasn't supportive of Black Lives Matter, but who's going to be the guy that doesn't go down on their knee? You know what I mean? There's definitely going to be definitely going to be pressure there. I'll, I'll and, most definitely, man. You don't want to be the one standing up there exactly. and everybody goes down. Like everybody I mean, goes for the knee. On a normal day, you might get booze, but there were no fans there, so they, they didn't yeah. have to worry about that. But yeah, but yeah no, I, I, I totally get that there's going to be um going to be some uh, some pressure by being part of a bigger team but but actually it's, it is really common for for individual sportsmen to to become uh individual champions for their particular cause because it's closer to them and i think that's mm-hmm. definitely what's happened with um with with rashford and, and and there are cases particularly in brazil actually brazilian footballers tend to tend to get kind of mm-hmm. political actually when they retire so i, I was doing a bit of reading about some uh, some Brazilian players and Pele, for example, went on to become um, the Brazilian Minister of Sport between 1995 and 1998. And um, Romário became uh, or is still a Brazilian senator. He was elected to the Brazilian Senate in 2010. Oh right, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Ten years later, so um, congratulations, Romário, if you're on the, <laughs> if you're listening. Um, yeah, and, and Gianni Rivera for for AC Milan, who played for AC Milan in the 60s and 70s. He's been an MEP in Italy um, over a few years. He was actually served as defence minister in Italy as well. So it's okay. actually quite common for for individual sports people to take interest in individual things and actually go on to to serve politically or or, or to champion other social causes by themselves. Anyway, that's 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 the way it's done. That's, that's, are you that's are you thing. are you are you suggesting are you suggesting Rajshwar should maybe try to be an MP when he retired? No, I don't know. They, they, what what's it? The Minister for Culture, Media, and Sport. <laughs> maybe in a few years, you never know. He's, oh, that would yeah. be great, yeah. I don't think it pays enough for these guys, Rich. I think I think <laughs> I think to be uh, to, after after what he did there. You know, I mean, free free school meals for the kids. I mean, it is great, and uh, I'm just I'm just worried that okay. Uh, the pressure is on now. Uh, th- those things, you know, when you start doing those things, you know, you cannot stop. You have to keep going, you know. And, and people, especially the community, will be always looking up, you know, from you and to figure out, oh, I, I, are you still, are you still talking for the cause there? Are you still there? Yeah. I, I, you haven't forgotten. So, and yeah, uh, the press are, are going to see him as that guy now, who exactly. is the political guy, the yeah. the, the social guy, and, and yeah. they're going to look to him. And, you know, the press love to build that up and they love to knock people down. So he has put a bit of a target in his back, maybe. He's, he's, he's a media favourite right now. It might not last forever. but Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. And, and now, let, let's just talk, go a little bit deeper on, uh, on basically, on, on at the club level. And I'm talking here right now about owner, right? Uh, in the sense that, okay, to be honest, let's be, let's, let's be frank here, uh, Andrew, right? You know, Liverpool, right? At this time right now, the league was already won. Yeah? The league was already won. Everything was done. Do you think the owner or anybody around Man City would have let Sterling um, 
put a little bit more distraction or talk about those issues right now if they were so close fighting with Liverpool at the moment. Do you think it would be talking about that just like that? Because yeah. I don't... I, personally, if I'm a manager and I'm fighting, I'm about to go... I'm fighting, you know, to win the Premiership against Liverpool. I've got three or four, five games to go, right? The mindset would be for me to tell all the players, look, man, we need to focus. No distraction. I don't want anybody to talk about anything. We can talk about that at the end of the season. Do you think he would have had the, you know, he would have had that courage, not courage is so hard, but do you think we'll have that opportunity to go out there and speak out a little bit more just like he did there? Do you think the owner or the manager and all, everybody together would have let that happen? What, what do you yeah. think? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think these guys um, have to run their tweets by uh, by the manager, by, <laughs> no. their, by their employers. I, I certainly don't. And uh, I, I don't know. I think, um, yeah, I, I don't think that by speaking out in support of a social cause that you're bringing your employer into disrepute, which would be the only way that your employer would really have any grounds to to, um, to challenge what you're doing or to discipline you as an employer. Um, I just don't see that happening. I think for sure, if uh, we've talked about this already, but if it's not impacting their performance, I don't. I think these guys are, you know, they're they're young uh, role models to many millions of people, and uh, people listen to them. I think it's a good thing they're speaking up, and I don't really think the employers or the managers have anything to stand on if they're if they're delivering, if they're performing, which and Sterling definitely is. Mm. But and it's something I I thought about as well. You know, in most workplaces, um, and sometimes it's it's not written, but we all understand that uh, you're not allowed to talk about politics at work. Mm. I'm I'm sure in most places, you know, uh, you do not you're not allowed to talk. And most usually, sometimes you're not allowed to bring any of your jersey or you know football team or anything like that. This is. This is something that uh, some people have that on the legal, you know, just on legal document for uh, in terms of standard conduct. You know, some people, some, you know, some some company don't have that. But we all understand that, you know, those political or social statement, you know, anything you say out there, you represent the people you're working for. This is mm -hmm. this this is what they tell you in terms of standard conduct. You need to understand that. Do you think that's something that people sh will be worried about going forward then now? So no, in a nutshell. I think, I think that, um, first of all, there's a difference between political and social, right? So this guy, these guys are not coming up and supporting a political party. They're not saying vote for Boris Johnson or, or Keir Starmer or whoever. They're, they're not actually supporting a, a political movement. I think you can argue that Black Lives Matter and, and the, the school meals um, uh, program, that was all about, these are social changes. These are, these are individual issues where people campaign on what they feel strongly about. And, and they're, not, they're not political movements. Even if they were, I think these guys are still human beings. They're still entitled to their beliefs. They still have a private life and they still can be on social media like the rest of us. And I, I think just because they're footballers doesn't mean that they shouldn't be able to take a position on things. And I think even further than that, because they're footballers and they have a huge platform, they should take a position on social things. And I mean, I'm conscious that I'm probably um, agreeing with these guys and or I'm, I'm supportive of their right to speak up because I happen to agree with them. So I'm not, I'd like to think I was, I'd be supportive of them if they were campaigning for Brexit or for some other thing or cutting school meals, I don't know. But um, yeah, I, th I think it's, I think it's fair, fair game for them to, to speak up. And mm. I, I don't think that employers really, I think employers have to be pretty realistic that people are on social media. And as long as you're not bringing the employer into disrepute, you can do what you like. And this is where, this is where we have to move on then to the sponsor because, you know, we all know the power behind a club is, is, is a sponsor, is the money. It's those guys behind. If those guys put pressure on the owner, the owner will put pressure on the people behind. So obviously, What's happening? I mean, for the past few months now, I can clearly see that sponsors are all behind the movement. But because they are all behind the movement, you know, you can clearly see why most owners are okay for players to speak out. But do you think the sponsor will let that, you know, they will continue letting, you know, the, the, some of those clubs 
go out there and put themselves forward there in social issues. Because I think right now, my point is, my argument is, you know, there's no fun. There's no fun. You're not allowed to take any funds to, to, uh, to the ground. So that's okay. You can, they can have a leeway about that because everybody's at home, right? Now, the change happened when fans need to go back because you're going to find some section of fans not being happy about what's going on. We've seen that before in some places in Europe. We all know where they are. I'm not going to put it out there, but we all know where they are. Now, my question is, you know, do you think that's still going to go on when everything relaxes and we have to let the fan back in into the stadium? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, yeah, the, the fans are one thing for sure. The sponsors are, are are slightly different. So, so I mean, for the sponsors, they're probably looking at this and thinking, as long as there's no political controversy being being triggered, we're we're, we're probably not that bothered by it. And actually, I think again, just taking Black Lives Matter and and the Scoville stuff, most I think most commercial. Most companies are actually moving to be supportive of things like Black Lives Matter. I, I I'm not aware of any, um, you know, commercial entity that has moved against Black Lives Matter. So, for now, the 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 interests of the sponsors and the brands happens to be aligning with the, these these uh, players who are, and athletes who are speaking. So that's much of an issue. That's we know right. from we know from the um from the plane flying over the, the Premier League game the other day, that that's not always the case with the fans. And, and But actually, I think that was roundly criticised and dismissed by the club and the league. And mm. um, that that's, um, doesn't seem to be much support for that at all. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to get everyone 100% on the same page on these issues, despite them seeming... I mean, who, who would not yeah. be supportive of these things? But... You know, people aren't, and and uh, but actually, they're 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 in an absolutely tiny minority. Yeah. And football's a big game, big money game, mm. and um, and it's going to leave these people behind. I, I don't think their interests will be listened yeah. to on this. Most um, definitely. And uh, to be to 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 back up your plan of um, at your point, we just say about um some of the sponsor uh, going behind those massive issues. I mean, we've got Nike working with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I'm sure you heard about Colin Kaepernick. You know, he was kneeling um, during the national item back in the NFL. And as a result of that, he lost his job uh, mm. in the NFL. So, and now he signed a mega contract with Nike, uh, um, just doing some different things with them. So, yeah, you've got Nike, for example, you know, teaming with yeah. those type of people. And, and Yeah, a really, really similar um, thing that's happening at the moment. It's not directly related to sport, but it's it's around um, the, the advertiser boycott that's happening on Facebook at the moment. So you're getting big social media companies like Facebook, all of the revenue really is generated through advertising. They're not doing enough to clamp down on hate, hate speech. And some of that is related to Black Lives Matter. So huge brands, you know, Unilever, Coca-Cola, Starbucks, they're all leaving the platform uh, at least for a month or two. Who knows how it will look in, in six months? But the money is actually moving um, with these um, positive movements that the players are jumping on. So uh, for me now, it looks like it's all aligned, and that, that, I think that's a good thing. And actually, it might even encourage more of it. And to, let, let me jump on this one. I know uh, there's been a lot of political and social, I know social uh, fights for the past few months. But I, I always want to piggyback to the not only the Me Too movement, but not only the Me Too movement. Talk about you know the salary discrepancy obviously from women in into football, right? And obviously we spoke of her and I mentioned that, you know, one of the powerful groups, obviously I believe should be in support of that are the sponsor. I just don't think, you know, um there's enough support out there obviously for for women um mm-hmm. or for for that group obviously to get the money. Because one of the things you mentioned obviously was talking about FIFA. You mentioned how FIFA they should go out there and do a little bit more. But my point was uh, the sponsor are all behind FIFA. So if the sponsor can put pressure on FIFA, I'm sure they will make the change. Give me, I mean, give my audience here exactly the point you mentioned about about that, uh, about the, the Me Too and also the, the football, uh, the women football. In terms yeah, of so I mean, for sure that the, the, the Me Too movement does feel like it has a lot in common with the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. I, I'm not really, I'm not sure they should you know, team up, join forces, and get mm-hmm. something. I, I think that these matters, these uh, movements are they stand they stand tall alone, and they're they're really clear what they're for by by being what they're for. 
And actually, the reason Black Lives Matter is such a um, fantastic slogan and, and movement, and, and it's so clear in what it stands for, is because it's, it is Black Lives Matter, and it's come from this, um, this institutional racism that exists. And I think to dilute that or to move it away from anything else and say, oh, but these people are also suffering, or those people are also suffering, or there's inequality here. Yeah, sure. No, no one's denying that. But this campaign right now is about about young black guys getting killed on the streets by police in America. So I, I just I don't I don't know if we should detract from that. And I, I think that's um, I think that's that's what it's all about. Um, yeah. uh, in terms of women's pay in football mm. and, and, and what's going on with with, with FIFA and, and, and salaries. I mean, I thought your your episode on this a few weeks ago was really, really spot on and i think you're you're absolutely right that there there is actually fan appetite there for women's football people love it and and you know it did really well on tv the attendance at the women's world cup was amazing yeah um but but for some reason the, the money does not is not ending up it's in the not, pocket yeah. of these women players and 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 it's crazy um i think you're right that there should be um kind of club all-in-one season tickets that that get you into all these games i think that um I think that the TV companies, I think the BBC should be should be forking out for the TV rights for these games and, and really paying over the odds for them. And because uh, the only way we're going to close that gap is if is if um, you know the TV TV companies and the sponsors close that gap as well. Oh, that's great. Uh, I think I think you had some really really good point there, Andrew. Um, very very valid point, and I hope that you know. Uh, people out there that's listening who are sponsor, you know, they should take uh, a note from that and uh, start making the change there. And now let's just move on to uh, uh, another massive group, uh, which is which are you know social media. I mean, my point about social media is crazy, and I, I tell you right now, um, there's a how do you say that? There's a bully crowd out there in social media. I mean, let, let's knock it ourselves. You know, yeah, you might have two or three million people following you, but you have two million of people bullying, you know, swearing, you know, saying some nasty stuff about you or about your family, especially when you don't perform or you have a bad game or bad. I mean, now I'm looking at Coco Golf. Remember we talked about Coco Golf. I mean, she's only 16 years old. I mean, she's been put on the spot right now to talk about those issues now. She's black. I understand that she's black. I'm black, but she's only 16 years old, man. You know, she's four year, four years older than my boy who's 12 years old. I think she's too young right now to be put on the spot and to do something like that. What do you think about social media pressure out there for those athletes? Mm, yeah. Because social media is there to put pressure on them, and they feel like they need to do something just to cool things down. What do you think? What do you say about there's it? There's huge pressure on these uh, on these young athletes, and you mentioned Coco Goff there from the women's tennis, and I, I'm a big Naomi Osaka fan. Okay. she's obviously <laughs> a little she's a little bit older, and she's she's um she's she's got a few Grand Slams under her belt, or one or two, and she's um, uh, but she gets the hate as well, you know, on, on the social media, and she also, you know, that that um U.S. Open win against Serena was was pretty tricky oh, yeah, as well there were lots of booze and it was yeah. you know so so these athletes you, you can really see it you know they really feel it when the crowd turn on them in the venue or on social media and you know we're we're talking about the successes of, of like marcus rashford and the, the campaign that he managed to deliver on but actually um twitter was horrible around that there were there was really really nasty horrible comments coming back at him and the, the one that really comes to mind is that um the, what's her name katie uh, what's her, is that her name? You know the the the, the right wing commentator. Oh on the yeah, Apprentice. yeah, I remember I she got remember caught off. Yeah, yeah, she got caught. Is that is that one she got caught off from Twitter? Or yeah, something? she's, oh, she's yeah. since been banned for Twitter. I can't oh, even remember her name now. Yeah, she's got yeah, job yeah. done. Yeah, but um, yeah. but yeah, these the, 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 but the social media companies themselves, like your Twitters and your Facebook, they love it because everyone's on their platform. Everyone's retweeting the advertising revenues coming in with everyone getting their phones out. And, and uh, commenting on stuff and yeah. and all the data they're getting. So when you're you're at the train station and you see that this uh, Twitter fight's kicking off, you open the app on your phone and they get your location exactly. data on you. And you know, so the social media companies are just they they want their these big guys on the platform with a few hundred million followers um, generating clicks for them and likes and retweets and location data, and they're uh, they're thrilled with it. So. Yeah. But for the athletes themselves and for, for everyone in the country, there's 
we know there are huge downsides to social media. It's it's a horrible place. It's, um, it's, it's, and, it's, uh, but but Twitter, Facebook, they're 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 loving it. They're they're, uh, they're happy with it. I think I think yeah I, I think social media for me is just the the, the bully uh, the bully the the crowd that bullies some of those athletes out there, and um, I think that's very unfair for some of those athletes because um, so, I mean you you don't have a choice you put your stuff out there and anybody can follow you and I mean the good news about that you can you can block them I think you can yeah, I, I'm not yeah. a big a Twitter fan so but I, I guess you can do that. But, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm looking, for example, my point is somebody like Michael Jordan, he plays when, uh, no, there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter, there was nothing like that. And uh, I do remember Michael Jordan was really much like, okay, I'm not talking about social reform, I'm not talking about politics, I'm just going to focus on my craft. I, I think if you get a chance to go on um, on Netflix, there's a documentary there on Last Dance, it tell you exactly what was his mindset at the time when he was playing. And it was really all about playing basketball. I mean, today he's a billionaire. Today he own, uh, he own a basketball team, NBA basketball team, and he put his money. He put about hundred million pound into those social reform. Now, so I'm just saying, you know, there can be you can do that in a different way. You can definitely do that in a different way without being involved on that social media thing. I'm just saying that because I know most people are not comfortable going out there, you know, uh, to be uh, social active, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that's for everybody. And that's fine. You're right. And, uh, you know, you look at these these yeah, these guys who, who do pipe up for social issues. They do their thing. Good for them. Job done. Delivered. But Renato, Cristiano Ronaldo, 200 million followers, sells some watches. You know, he's on Instagram <laughs> and his Speedos. Job done, you know, and he's he's got he's got his he's got his thing that gets him out of bed in the morning, and other people have other things, and it's the same in all areas of life. And um, you know, for some, it's all business, it's yeah. all the brand, and it's all the followers, and for others, it's not. And you know, there's space for both, I think. Yeah, most definitely. Now, um, was just when we talk about social media, we talk about a group of people, but you can't talk about sport without talking about the fans. You know, you have to bring the fan back in here. And I think that's the point we mentioned about before. Uh, right now, I'm just saying fans have short memory. Fans have short memory. They have a menu. The menu is win and win only. That's it. When they come and see you, you have to deliver. Now, right now, you don't see the backlash of a fan. Maybe on social media, you're probably going to see that. But you don't see that, obviously, on, on the stand because they're not allowed to go in. Now, I think we touched on that just a little bit before, but I need to come back on that again. Do you think when they relax, if you want to let the fan back in to the stadium or you know in any other sport activity, that will change a little bit? Do you think the sponsor and you know will put a little bit more you know as you call that put a little bit more break on those athletes speaking out or talking about social issues or anything like that? Do you think that will be a little bit more? They will temper that a little bit more when the fans are back in. Uh, maybe, maybe I don't know. I think the the um the relationship that an athlete has with their fans now is actually probably not that much about the individuals in the stadium. Mm. Maybe that's controversial, but that you know how many? What's the capacity of Old Trafford? I don't know, like about eight, 70, 70, 70, 80, 000, 70, 000, 70 000, like yeah. And he's and he's got eight million followers on Twitter. You know his his. <laughs> Who's he really speaking to? Who's listening to him? It's it's the, the guys that come to the stadium every day and fill the venue. Sure, they are important. And they're, they're you know, match day income is still hugely important. But big money, especially in the Premier League, is in TV rights. It's in competition winnings in Europe. Um, some club championships uh, internationally. Um, but these uh, these guys are, are probably... You know the absence of fans from the stadium isn't going to change the way they behave much. I don't think. Mm. I, I don't think it's going to modify much in terms yeah. of the, the the kind of how they weigh it up in their head. Uh, I think. I, I, I mean, to be honest, I'm I'm putting myself on the fan shows. If I turn up to the stadium, you know, when I'm looking at Rashford, obviously I know what Rashford's done. You know, if I go to Ultra for, you know, I'm not looking forward to see how. I know I'm not checking what he did on. You know, for for the community, all I'm looking mm-hmm. for is he going to score a goal here? You know what I mean? And we know how how nasty fans can be sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, okay, 
yeah, yeah and, they turn on people oh yeah, yeah. They, they, they can turn on you just like a switch i mean very quickly so uh i think to be honest i have to say the corona and you know the covid 19 you know george floyd movement you know the fact that you know there's no fun no fun allowed to go to stadium everything was set you know the, you know the, the platform it was set there for everybody to be able to just express and express themselves, you not know, just freely, without any, you know, mm-hmm. um, um, uh, any uh, repercussion, obviously, from any of the fans or or sponsors. Mm-hmm. So everything is out there for everybody to do, uh, and I feel like, I mean, for the fans, yeah, they can see that from outside. But I bet you, when they come back in. You better make sure you, you start winning games. You better make yeah. sure you start scoring goals because they're just going to turn back on you again. So, uh, and and that's my worry. That's my worry for for some of those players. But now, going forward, obviously, I mean, what will be the mindset of you know? Do you think that's going to go on, or do you think at some point? Because my point is, and that's my argument here, Andrew. I believe that those athletes now need to find a strategy. You need to have a strategy to take all that positivity and maybe talk to the people who understand how to channel all that good energy to make institutional uh, change. For example, here in the UK, you know, you've got some minority uh, ethnic, you know, who are MP. They maybe need to go and talk to those people and figure out, okay, how do we do that? How can I use my power to effectively use that for the change? And I think they should be able to be, you know, that advice will be more welcome. And I think having a group of people, having a group of minority ethnic ethnicity working together as a group will maybe make a better change than having just one person doing that. So what do you think? What's your take about that? What, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think that's... Um, I th- I'd like to see more athletes become socially um, social advocates for whatever it is they believe in. I think they're already leaders and role models and they know that. Um, I think that they should take up more causes and I think there are some causes for sure where, where a group of people are definitely more more uh, are better placed to, um, to to work on that. But we, we talked before about individual stories and there, yeah. there are a few players out there, a few athletes out there who have really special unique stories that not everyone has and Rashford was so successful with his campaign was because it was his story and and I'm not sure actually that you need to dilute it with lots of other people but but in other cases um, I think you're right there's no harm in in broadening it out but you know every every issue is different every um every campaign's different what I do think is interesting though is whether these guys end up um becoming you know, they leave the, the just the social campaigning behind and they actually take up political campaigning. So, I, th- I, I mean, I, I did some reading before I came on tonight and, and I could only find maybe one or two players um, from from the Brexit referendum who, who, who took a side and Andy Murray from the Scottish Independence referendum were the, were the, were the big names. And, and uh, the rest of them, I, you know, in a general election, these guys uh, don't get involved, their heads in the sand. And, you know, on individual issues like free school meals, that's all well and good. Occasionally you'll deliver a, a victory like Rashford Sun, but actually if you want to change a country, mm. you have to change a government and you've got to, you've got to move whole parties and whole political systems. Um, and, and I suppose that's the next step. If these guys are serious about, about moving the country, they need to club together, as you say, with politicians and they need to be tweeting about it and telling people how to vote or how not to vote and what they believe in. And and, and I, I hope that's where we're gonna go because actually I've been really impressed with the with the direction on on the individual issues over the last the last couple of years. But come on, let's let's get your teeth into it, let's do it properly and let's move the government. That's a really good point, man. That's a really, really good point. To be honest, just to back up your point as well, uh just recently LeBron I don't know if you know LeBron James was he's setting up a, he set up a, a platform over there where it's basically uh advising people how to vote because obviously they're looking to make a change over there and they understand that what's happening at the moment is a statue quo. So, you know, they, they, they try to advise most people how to vote and understand the process, uh, the election process over there in the US. So that's something that, yeah, uh, here in the UK, I have to say here in the UK, they don't really talk politically. They talk social, you know, once, a, you know, once in a while, 
but really on the politics stand, no, it's not it's not as deep as what we've seen, you know, back in the US over there. But um and to be honest, I'm not asking those kids. I mean, for somebody like Rashford, he's only like 27, 28. I mean, I'm 39 years old. I don't talk about politics like that. I don't expect Rashford to come out and tell me, yeah. you know, how to vote or anything like that. You know, if he can keep focusing on the full stamp for the kids, I'm happy with that. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think it, that that's great. Anyway, um, I mean, so many times I've noticed, you know, you talking today, Andrew, and really becoming close to the end of the show now but really uh, you talk most of the time you talk about Andy Murray and I feel like there's love you know from Andy Murray you know on your or from your part maybe that's maybe something that I need to think about maybe you need to, I need to bring you back on the show so we talk we can talk about that I, I did a couple of episodes about him but I, what did you think about that? In a way? Yeah, I'll another maybe next Friday, the Friday after, something like that. I'll come back on and explain <laughs> to everyone why Andy Murray is one of the best athletes that's ever lived. Oh, you know what? Don't get mad at me. I'm saying Andy Murray. Okay, I know that's not part of the show, but just you know, just just passing by. I'm just saying. I, I think it, it, it's time for retirement. I know you love Andy Murray, but I think it's just time for retirement. And we all, all the Scottish people, have to accept that now. Just yeah. let the boy, let the boy go into retirement. He did what he has to do. He won the Wimbledon. You know, he won the Olympic. He won the U.S. Open. He's been great. He's the number one British tennis player now and he's done what he has to do for the UK so for me I think that's over that's over yeah yeah I think anything else that Andy Murray can deliver now is a is, an, is a bonus isn't it you know he's obviously he's obviously uh struggling with his with injury and, and fitness and um but yeah what a great run what a but great you know run what? you know what I think definitely I'm gonna book you back again here for the next few weeks you know you just you just gotta we, we gotta do that every Friday with the wine and, and drink yeah, and we can maybe do that. talk about Andy Look, listen just wait till this episode goes up and then have a look at your listening numbers <laughs> and it, it, if it goes up get me back on if it, if it goes down I won't be offended if oh, you don't no. have me back uh, and let, as I say again Andrew you know you you you've been fantastic today uh I mean, you bring you you brought more stuff than I could, man. I mean, I I, I it, that's that was really really good. I'm, and, I'm gonna uh, do Sky Sports News next week. Oh, um, you know what? Please, when you go over there, man, make sure you put my name down there for them to call me too. So I'll be happy for that. So, guys, really thank you very much. And uh, for anybody out there who's listening, you know, if you have a topic or sport topics you like to talk about on Slick Talk Show, you know, just hit me up on uh, on Facebook. Twitter or any, you know, hit me on my phone or anything like that. I'll book you up, and then you can come out and speak just like Andrew uh, was speaking out today uh, uh, for uh, for any topic. So today was a great day. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you again for uh, for your time today. And uh, maybe after the show, we can keep uh, keep drinking. Um, yeah, until we, one I can, or two I can o'clock. Do that. Maybe put some music on, you know, having some Zoom party or something like that. Yeah, you know, whatever. whatever you need, Richard, I can I can manage that. <laughs> okay, man. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good time. And uh, guys, I speak to you tomorrow. Thank you. Then. Bye-bye.